0: CHAPTER 13 OF THE GREAT SINNERS OF THE BIBLE This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. THE GREAT SINNERS OF THE BIBLE BY LEWIS ALBERT BANKS CHAPTER 13 THE MELANCHOLY FATE OF MR. FACING BOTH WAYS Balaam also, the son of Beor they slew with the sword. Numbers 31 8. It is no disgrace to be killed on the battlefield if you are fighting honorably for what you believe to be right. But Balaam died the death of a traitor. For this is our old acquaintance, the prophet whom Balak sought to bribe to curse the Israelites. And who asked God for that privilege and was refused. But here we have the last picture in Balaam's earthly life, and he is dying on the battlefield with Israel's spears in his bosom, an out and out foe of the people whom God had blessed. For Balaam had finally gone with the messengers from Balak, and Balak had prepared altars and offered up sacrifices, and Balaam had sought to change the mind of God in regard to the people of Israel, but every time when Balaam spoke his message, it was a blessing and not a curse that was uttered. At the very first altar, when Balak and his princes were standing about and were listening in the breathless silence to the words of Balaam, we can imagine the disappointment in their faces as he began to say, How shall I curse whom God had not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. No wonder Balak said in his disgust, I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them all together. Balak, however, had persistence worthy of a better cause. He took Balaam to another point, where he could look out over the tents of Israel, and on top of Mount Pisgah, Balaam built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. But when he stood up again to speak to Balak and his listening associates, this is what he said. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless and he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it. He had not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shadow of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath as it were the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey, and drink the blood of the slain. But Balak was determined to try once more, and he said to Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee unto another place. Peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. And so on the top of Mount Peor seven altars more were builded and offerings made upon them. But Balak was more crushed than ever when he heard Balaam's poetic outburst explaining the vision that came to him at the altar. How godly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel! As the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the rivers side, as the trees of Lynelos which the Lord had planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath as it were the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations of his enemies, and shall break their bones, and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion. Who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. At last Balak gives up his hope and in his anger warns Balaam to get out of his sight. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor. But lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. Happy for Balaam if he had really parted from Balak and his vicious temptations at that time. But the man was not at peace in his own heart. He was not a genuine man. He was not sincere. He did not want to displease God, but he wanted still more to please himself. He cared nothing for Balak, except as he could use him, but neither did he care anything for the Lord except as he hoped to use him. So now he enters again into negotiations with the enemy and advises Balak to do by strategy what he could not do by direct assault. He counsels Balak to use the fascinations of the daughters of Moab to entice the Israelites into idolatry. Thus, by degrading the people of Israel and leading them into sin, he would snatch them from God's protection. God will not curse the good, therefore make them wicked and cause them to bring the curse on their own heads. Frederick W. Robinson has well said that a more diabolical wickedness can scarcely be conceived. Yet Balaam, as the world goes, was an honorable and voracious man, nay, a man of delicate consciousness and unconquerable scruples, a man of lofty religious professions, highly respectable and respected. There are men who would not play false and yet would wrongly win. There are men who would not lie and yet who would bribe a poor man to support a cause which he believes in his soul to be false. There are men who would resent at the sword's point the charge of dishonor, who would yet for selfish gratification entice the weak into sin and damn body and soul in hell. There are men who would be shocked at being called traitors yet who in time of war will make a fortune by selling arms and ammunition and provisions to their country's foes there are men respectable and respected who give liberally and support religious societies and sit in fashionable church pews who would not swear nor do any outward open sin who make their wealth by crushing the lifeblood out of white slaves in stenchful sweatshops or by renting their property for liquor saloons and gambling hells and brothels. We all are ready to curse Balaam and he deserves it. But let us not forget that Balaam did not do one whit worse than these men. And if God damned him for doing what he did, hell yawns for the men who today are trapping the unwary that they may fatten their own greed. We may see illustrated here the tremendous importance of the current in which a man places himself. There is a current in every community that sweeps heavenward. If a man puts himself into that current and deliberately sets out to serve God, to make his friends among Christian people, and to turn from everything that would be displeasing to God, the current of his life will gain momentum every day and will help to sweep him onward toward the heavenly shore. On the other hand, there is a current in every community that plunges downward toward the bottomless pit. And if a man thrust himself into that current, he is borne remorsely on. We become like the people with whom we associate and our thoughts and ideals, whether good or evil, have power to infuse their own quality into the very blood and fiber of our being. If you have ever read Silas Marner, you will remember the typical miser who was described in that book. The miser had been a very dutiful man at church and was wronged by a brother and fled from the town and the church and buried himself in the country. He was a poor man, a weaver, and he wove and hoarded his gold and used to go to the little spot where he had hoarded it and turn it with his hands and feel how rich he was. But one night there came a strange, sad cry, and he went out to see whence it came. And when he returned, the gold had gone, and in its place he saw a little child. It was a most unwelcome exchange. But when he turned to the little child and caressed it, and it caressed him, and he fed it and grew to love it, the heart of the man was humanized, and his character was ennobled and exalted. The more he had loved the money, the more hateful he became. The more he loved the child, the lovelier he grew. Man is made by his loves. If we love mean and vulgar things, we shall grow to be like them. But if we love pure, noble, holy things, we shall grow to be as noble as they. Balaam had no thought that he would finally cast in his lot with Balak and the enemies of God. But by his double-heartedness, his facing one way and then the other in order, if possible, to gain both the wages of righteousness and the bride of unrighteousness, he thrust himself into this wicked current that finally forced him into the position of an open foe of God's people. Robert Louis Stevenson's book that won him his first great fame, and which has been so often discussed with its story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, One, because we all have in our own consciousness something which bears witness to the possibility of our being tempted to a like career. The result is always the same when the temptation is yielded to. The bad side of a man's nature will always win where a man gives himself up to live a life which faces both ways. The wicked other half may be kept in the background for a time, but in the end, it will come to be the personality, and the good will be crushed out entirely. There are many people like Balaam in our modern world. They have a poetic side to their nature. They have vision hours when goodness seems indescribably beautiful, and the holy life greatly attracts them. They have fine sensibilities. They are wrought upon by a tale of woe, and if you talk to them of the unspeakable horrors of Turkish persecutions in Armenia, the sufferings of starving Cubans or if their favorite novelist paints a touching picture of some fair life betrayed and debauched, they will be moved to tears and will have an hour of charitable feeling. The vulgar, loathsome, repulsive side of common sins is hateful to them, but they do not hate sin because it is a wrong against God it is only because it offends their taste. And with all their poetic sentiment and generous impulses and occasional tearful feeling, they do not really love humanity and their lives go on like Balaam's, seeking their own selfish interest without real worship to God or love for mankind until the drifting current of selfishness carries them to the camp of those having no hope and without God in the world. I appeal to you for an open, outspoken attitude in behalf of Christ and a righteous life. It is the only right course, and it is the only safe course. I look into many of your faces tonight, knowing that the one thing that you need, above everything else, is a complete cleansing of your hearts from sin, a radical transformation of your life, so that you will stand a uniformed soldier of Jesus Christ. You need not to be made better, but by God's forgiving mercy, to be made thoroughly good. A physician was giving earnest attention to a sick child and encouraged the anxious mother to hope for her recovery. The mother said to the child one day, The doctor says he thinks he will soon make mama's little girl better. But why will he not make me well? Asked the child with eagerness. Jesus Christ is able to cure us of sin, and it is not to be better only, but to be well, that we should pray. I repeat it. This, above everything else, is your greatest want. Hugh Price Hughes relates an incident of a distinguished minister who was suddenly invited to visit a dying man. He found him with little furniture, no food, and no attendant, in the agonies of death. He was dying in the greatest destitution. Oh, sir, said he to the minister, I am in great want. And the minister made the mistake we too often make, and thought he was referring to some temporal wants. He said, Yes, I see you are in this wretched place, with no food, no medicine, no attendant, I will go and get a doctor and a nurse and some food and nourishment. Oh, he said, lifting his thin hand, that is not what I want. What I want, he said in the deep voice of the dying, is to know that my sins are forgiven. When a man comes to die, he wants to know that God has forgiven him, that Christ has saved him. But if the dying need it, we need it just as certainly. A great many make the same tragic mistake that Balaam made. Balaam longed to die the death of the righteous. There is scarcely a passage in the Bible more often quoted than Balaam's expression of desire. Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. That is very beautiful, and I have no doubt that for once Balaam was sincere, but he was not willing to pay the price. Everything has its cost. The cost of dying right is living right. To die the death of the righteous, a man must pay the price of living the life of the righteous. Some of you who are not Christians are like Balaam in that you desire, and in some way expect to die the death of a Christian. You read the story of triumphant Christian deathbeds, or you have stood by the side of the couch when your father or mother or some dear Christian friend met death with a smile and with the glow of heaven's joy on the face, and you have said to yourself, Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. But you are not living for it. Jesus says, Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father. And yet you go on denying him, refusing to open the door of your heart at his knocking, refusing to stand on his side in the fellowship of the church, refusing to renounce your sins and bow before him in penitence, seeking his forgiveness. How can you expect that you will die the death of the Christian and have a Christian's welcome into heaven while you are going on living a life of selfishness and sin and neglecting to accept Christ as your Savior. Let Balaam, broken-hearted and ruined, dying a traitor on the battlefield in disgrace and shame, bring you tonight his message of warning. He tried to live the life you are living, and you see the end. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap Balaam found it so and every sinner against God from that day to this has found it true the laws of the universe will not be reversed on your account Balaam had his chance for repentance and refused it and lost his soul he sinned against great light and died in great darkness you have great light Christ speaks to you with many voices. Do not sin against him. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Choose now an open and honorable career as the friend and servant of Jesus Christ. End of chapter 13 Read by Quincy Minor, Austin, Texas May 3, 2022